Welcome to The Stare Down, sports talk and real estate with Sean Carpenter of Coldwell Banker in Columbus, Ohio, Bill Risser of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida, and Todd Meininger of Cummins, Georgia. Listen in as they discuss the week in sports and toss in a pinch of real estate too. Now your hosts, Sean, Todd and Bill. Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Staredown. It's our 113th episode. We're so excited to be with you guys tonight talking sports. It's a Monday night episode because we had such a big weekend. A couple people had to watch the Tonys last night. Bill and Cindy actually had to watch, and uh, Todd and Shay and I were uh, waiting to talk sports, but we had to wait an extra day. But it actually turns out good because there was a lot that happened over the weekend that we're going to catch up on. Uh, on this episode of The Stare Down. It's our Sports Talk and Real Estate show. I'm Sean Carpenter in Columbus, Ohio, joined by my regular co-hosts, Bill Risser in St. Petersburg, Florida, Todd Meininger in Cumming, Georgia, and Shay Brewer out in the Pacific Northwest in Portland, Oregon. Let's start with you as always, Bill. How was your weekend? Good to talk to you. My weekend was fabulous. Thank you very much. <laughs> included <laughs> included uh, a round of golf where I played average and uh, the, the the wonderful Tonys last night, Angels in America cleans up. So does the uh, the band is in. Just a couple of uh, great shows that uh, were not SpongeBob SquarePants and were not Mean Girls. Um, taking a lot of grief from some of the people here on the episode, uh, but I but I do know that a few of you did tune in if for a brief moment. So that makes me feel good. So just to recap, the Angels were the California Angels, then they were the Anaheim Angels. Now it's the Angels of America. Is that what you're saying? Angels in America, right? In yeah. America. Angel okay. In, yeah. So right. yeah. So Mike Mike Trout was good last night, huh? Uh, he was spectacular, <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> Todd, what's going on with you, buddy? What's going on in coming Georgia? You have big news to share about a, a certain lacrosse tournament, right? Mm. Uh, yes, uh, Sean. Thanks for asking. Huge sports filled weekend for me. Uh, not stuff you find in your cable or direct, uh, TV satellite dish. Um, it was uh, a lacrosse tournament. My son was a uh, part of a uh, lacrosse tournament this weekend. Um, they finished third in their tournament last weekend, and I'll cut to the chase. They were uh, tournament champions. Um, they play pool play, and they seed all the teams. Top four teams play uh, kind of in a little final four. Um, we were the number four seed and ended up uh, winning it all. Um, what was really cool about it was um, th- three things. One was – maybe two things. One was – uh, so my son plays a position he's never played before this summer, right? He's, uh, he's usually a defender and he's playing, uh, what they call long stick midi, which was, which is really cool. Um, he's doing really well. Second thing that happened was he has never faced off, um, ever, never in practice, never in goal. And he found himself in game two, uh, in the pool play facing off. He went five for 11 and for a kid who never faced off, that was just awesome. Great to see. And the third uh, individual uh, uh, feather in the cap was he scored a rare goal for him. Nice. So yeah. So them winning him doing so well and doing so many things. Um, and Sean, I'll circle back. If you remember in 94, the Gators, Florida Gators made the final four and this is a, mm-hmm. not a basketball school. And I remember Lon Kruger getting off the plane, right? To, to meet hook. Yeah. And he was, uh, he was emotional and, uh, and the co- and the, inter- the reporter said, coach, you know, you're getting emotional. He's like, well, you know, not only this, but he's like, if I see a good gymnastics routine or cheerleader routine, you know, I'm, I'm driven to emotion. And I always thought that was kind of goofy. Right. Um, h- hence forward to 2018, watching the team come together. It's just, you get caught up and you're like, this is so much fun to watch. And 
I immediately thought back to that. I didn't get it. I was only 24 at the time. And I'm like, how can someone get excited over a cheerleading routine or a U15 lacrosse tournament? And it's just fun to watch a team come together, uh, show effort, uh, work hard, and good things happen. So it was just a really fun weekend personally. And, and shout out to uh, 3D U15 team in Georgia for winning the NXT tournament in Woodstock. Well, congratulations to Scott and his teammates. But you know what's cool, Todd, is, is this is their first tournament of the summer. So let's see how that team gels. Second tournament. Okay, so let's see how that team gels and, and continues to uh, maybe develop some confidence out of this, huh? Yep, they finished third last week, and they played great, and they blew it in the, uh, in the final four first game, and they learned a lot from that. So I think that carried over this weekend. Yep, one more tournament to go next week. So Good. Yep. Good. And let's go out to Shay. Shay, we missed you last week. Uh, you were out on assignment. Uh, but you're back this week. We got to we got to wrap up the NBA, which uh, came to a came to an end over the weekend, as did the NHL, which we'll get to. Uh, but how are you doing, Bud? What's going on? And I'm great, guys. I uh, things are back to normal out here for me. I'm happy to be on the podcast with you guys. 55 and raining yesterday, and I went to a couple breweries out here. <laughs> yeah, things are back to normal in the Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> Good man, good to see you. So, uh, Bill, you mentioned you played a decent round of golf yesterday. Nothing great, but nothing, uh, nothing bad, right? Yeah. So you know, an eighty-eight, which is kind of like now my uh, my new, just kind of whatever. You know, it used to be an eighty-four, an eighty-two. <laughs> you know, with you whatever. Uh, just moving the wrong direction, Sean. I, I know you. Uh, you posted something this week that's very interesting. That you took a lesson. I did. Old dog, new tricks. Was it just? Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Was it just getting back to what you knew you should be doing or was there some fundamental change that occurred? No, I think it was one of those, you know, a lot of people in our industry, Bill, are, are taking coaching and they need that outside edge. You know, we, we talk about, you know, Tiger Woods and the best players in the world have coaches. I, uh, I just finally said, you know, I can't, a lot of times I could, I could pick up what I was doing wrong. You know, I could look at my divots. I could look at the ball flight. I could figure out, you know, hitting it short or, and just self-analyze. And I just got to the point where, Bill, I, I, on the tee box, I would hit 40 yards left, 50 yards right. Mm kind of short at the middle, hit a good one. Duck hook left. I just could, I, I, if I was missing everything left, then I can adjust. But I just, and, and, and then, you know, what starts happening, Bill, is, is you start getting swing thoughts in your head. Well, it's, mm. it's one thing to have a swing thought in your head. But when you have 45 swing thoughts from, <laughs> from your grip to your stance, to your posture, to your takeaway, to your impact, to your finish, it was difficult. And, um, you know, uh, uh, my brother and the other guy I play with regularly, they're just not comfortable saying what I'm doing wrong because they, obviously I was doing something different on every swing. And so I just, I, I needed someone else to look from the outside. Um, and everything you said made sense. You did know. you, did you stick just with the driver on the range? Is that you tried to focus there and see if he'd help you there first? Uh, we started, they don't want to we, do that usually. Well, we started with an eight iron. We just worked our way up the swing. Cause really, as you know, the swing doesn't change. It just the, the, the width or the, uh, the arc of the swing gets bigger. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I, I struggled on Saturday. Once again, you know, I was excited after hitting some balls in the range. I didn't play good on the easier course, came back and had to play the harder course. We had our mid-am this weekend. So mid-amateur and the seniors and things like that. So we played the easier course first and then you play the harder course second. So really wasn't excited about the second round on the harder course. It was, we come off about inch and a half of rain. So the course was long, rough was thick. Um, But about the 12th hole, I just said, I'm just going to start standing closer to the ball and, and see if that eliminates and I started hitting good. I parred five of the last six holes hmm. uh, and actually shot the same score on the harder course that I did on the easier course. No, Scarlet, Scarlet harder or easier? Scarlet's about 10 strokes harder. 
Yeah. And Gray's yeah. easier close. Yes. Right? Gray's easier. Gray only has one water hole. Every hole you can kind of run it up on the green, you know, without going over bunkers or anything like that. Um, pretty flat greens. Um, so it's a fun course to play, but it, you know, toggling between the two. Um, and Bill, for me, you know, if you're short on Scarlet, you know, you're hitting three woods into the greens. And then if you yeah. miss the greens, I, first 10 holes, I was in seven bunkers. Wow. Um, and these are Jack Nicholas designed bunkers. You know, he redid the course at Ohio state uh, about eight or nine years ago. Um, and they're deep. I mean, so, you know, you have to like walk up to the side to see where the pin is and then go back in the bunker and hit it out. And so it was, it was tough, but at the end of the round, I want to share this really quick before we start talking about the weekend sports, uh, at the end of the round, we're going to turn our scorecards in and, uh, Shane, the guy, my, my buddy we play with, um, he says, I'm always afraid to ask him for an autograph every time I see him here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, urban just walked past us. Urban Meyer, the coach. Of the <laughs> oh, and you're shy though, Sean, right? I, I yeah, didn't even notice because I, I was signing the scorecard. So I got, we got done getting our, our drinks in the, in the thing. We we're walking back to the locker room. He was outside talking to the head pro. So I just went up and tapped him on the shoulder and said, Hey coach, just want to introduce myself. I'm Sean. I'm the only Florida alum here at the course. I just want to thank you for your time down in Gainesville. And he says, Oh, you're a Gator. And I said, yeah. And he said, go Gators. And so we saw, we talked for a second and uh, I gave a little, you know, rundown of, you know, I really appreciate it. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm the only Gator here. So I got the guys here give me crap about my Gator head covers and, you know, my Florida shirts and things like that. But I'm really proud of my time there. And I, I want to thank you for helping us win a championship. And Urban's all about the championships. And he quickly said, it was two. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, yes, sir, I know that. Uh, you know, I, I just meant it was, you know, was the one against Ohio State was the one that meant more to me uh, than anybody else. Uh, and he kind of smiled at that. And he we talked about his time there. And I asked him if he liked to play down there in Gainesville. And he said he didn't play much when he was down there because it was too hot. Mm. Um, but, Todd, I, I, I reached out to you because I, I asked you a question earlier in the week about did you see what Urban said because you were talking about some of the best rivalries in sports. Mm-hmm. So there was a high school football camp up in Detroit and the keynote speaker was Jim Harbaugh, mm. right? From down the road in Ann Arbor. Um, so the keynote speaker was Jim Harbaugh, but urban Meyer was on the speaking panel as well. And he spoke two speakers before Jim Harbaugh. Mm. Well, in typical urban Meyer fashion, his short, but very, very, uh, powerful message was it's not about winning games. It's about winning the game and it's about winning championships and it's about winning rivalry games. And he just kept going at the rivalry aspect because Harbaugh has never beat Ohio state and he's never won anything in college. And he, and, and urban just kept saying like, you want to go to a school that's going to win the biggest games and you want to go to the school that's going to understand what the rivalry is all about. It was just kind of a perfect little thing where Harbaugh's off on the wings waiting to get up and speak. And all Urban's doing is just putting the pin in the voodoo doll. Uh, it was it was kind of a classic Urban, you know, all about – not about winning games. It's about winning the big games and the championships and the ones that matter. In, in all fairness, I think Harbaugh had a little success out at Stanford. But I think he's uh, he was referring to the uh, the Michigan, uh, yes, Michigan yes. days for sure. Probably yeah. a little more, little more local. Yes, so, yes, absolutely. All right, boys. A lot to talk about this week. Let's let's jump right into it. Um, Shay, I want to start with you. NBA Finals, it's a sweep. I don't think anyone's surprised by it, but you weren't on with us last week when uh, I think we had just had game one. Uh, so all the things that happened, we just want you to kind of give us the – we'll let you set the recap, and then Bill and, and Todd and I will pick the bones of, of what's left with – uh, what happened kind of at the end there and what happens next. So kind of give us a breakdown of what you saw in the 2018 NBA championships. Golden State wins 4 nothing. 
yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't be with you guys last week, but I think you guys had a great show last week. And what we saw, game one, LeBron James, 51 points, overtime, gave it everything he had, and it wasn't much in the tank after that. When you put a performance like that out, it's hard to top it, and you hope that you can get one when you go back home. So they were hoping they can get game three, three with the supporting cast playing a little bit better, and it didn't happen. So once game three was out of the way, I – I personally saw a lack of effort from everyone, especially on the defensive end, and especially from LeBron. It's just, it's, it's, it's difficult to rebound when you're down three, three Oh, in a best out of seven series. It's hard to rebound from that. And game four showed, and I think it showed to the public too. It was like the lowest TV ratings for a final, right? Mm. Yeah. I didn't in see the, that. Well, in the, in the last yeah, four, four years. Yeah. Four in four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that game three um, was, was really tight until the end uh, where KD just, I mean, KD that game was one of those, just that was a great game. Take, if you set aside LeBron's 51, that game of KD in game three was epic. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Kevin Durant had a triple double in the third quarter mm. before the end of the third quarter. He had already achieved a triple double. <laughs> I think he only missed four shots. Right. And I think three of those were in the first quarter. Um, he hits the dagger from what? 30 feet. Uh, um, you know, with 42 seconds to go in the game to, to put him up by five. Um, I've never seen a, a crowd deflated that quickly um, on that shot. Yeah, well, yeah would, you, would you say KD won the uh, MVP of the series? It was games three and four that did it, right? Because he was just kind of, I don't want to call him average, but he wasn't anything spectacular in one and two, right? He was, he was blah. I think in Golden State, it was definitely Steph Curry game one and game two. Yeah, yeah. Just with great performances, and then KD stepped it up on the road. Yeah. He's a closer. They brought him in to close, right? Yeah. There's only one ball and a lot of uh, a lot of superstars on that Warrior team, right? So he can he can have a blah game one and two and then kill it in game three and four. And- you know, Shay, have you seen a team, uh, as long as you've been watching the NBA and, and Bill and Todd jump in as well, but have you seen a team that – coming out of the third quarter, coming out of, of, of halftime is as dominant as Golden State is to whether they're – if they're up, they're going to put the throttle down and go up by 25. If they're down, they're going to be up going into the fourth quarter. I mean, it is unbelievable the pressure they put on you from the passing and the open man and hitting the open shots. You know, um, in game three, it was uh, – I think it was at the very end of the third quarter. It might have been the fourth when, when Steph hit his first three-pointer, right? He was 0 for 9. Uh, it, I, that, that game it was at the end, but but talk to me about the third quarter pressure that Golden State puts on a team, both on the defensive end, which I think sets up the offensive end. Is that right? Yeah. So they score so easily when you watch mm-hmm. them play. They score so easily and they shoot the ball so well. They spread the floor. We talked about it on here before, where it's almost essentially all five guys are on the perimeter. And they shoot the ball so well, it's difficult to defend. But in the third quarter, it's like they step up the defensive intensity as well. Uh, you got Steph playing passing lanes. You got Kevin Durant protecting the rim. Draymond Green's blocking shots and protecting the rim. And when you turn the ball over, we like to, in, in the basketball world, we call it live ball turnovers. Live ball turnovers that kill you every time. There's two different types of turnovers. You can turn the ball over from a steal or, or a block shot, and it leads to a fast break for the opponent. Or you can turn the ball off of a violation or throwing the ball out of bounds or some sort. So dead ball turnovers, you never want turnovers, but dead ball turnovers you can live with. 
mm-hmm. when you have live ball turnover and they lead to fast breaks and disadvantages on the other end, that's what really hurts you. And that's what Golden State does so well, especially in the second half. Yeah, you know, live ball, you know, you talk about that. They they get three guys going to the perimeter, and then they got Iguodala and Draymond Green just going to the, the lane. So it's like, do we want their easy two? Or in this case, do we want the easy three? For You know, you, you leave clay open, you leave stuff open. It's probably going to be, you know, 60% of the time a made shot, you know. Um, when they, you know, Cleveland really seemed to want to, when they came, brought the ball down, they really wanted to set the offense and let them be four or five guys outside the perimeter because then if they miss the three-pointer, it's an easy rebound, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 so unconventional because all the way through growing up, you're taught when you play defense, you protect the rim, you run back to the lane, you protect the paint. But you can't do that with Golden State because they don't want to score in the paint. They rather shoot the perimeter jump shot. Three is better than two, and they shoot it so well, they're going to hurt you. Hey, Sean, you 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 asked, and I may be wrong in this. It's been a long time ago, but it seemed like the old Bulls team with Michael Jordan. They'd get you more in the fourth quarter, and mm-hmm. again. Correct me if I'm wrong. It seems you're right. Golden State seems to third quarter um, kind of separate themselves. And it reminds me of the good Kentucky college basketball teams. It seems like you'd be with them. And then the last like three minutes of the first half and the first five minutes of the second half, they'd go on this epic run. And basically you're, you're coming from way behind. You know, Todd, most football teams, it started, I think, with, with the U down in Miami. But, you know, when that third quarter ends and all the players do this, right? And, and they say this is this is when the big boys come out and play. And I think quarter. I think I think Golden State does this. I just think they they come out of that locker room and they just say this is when we put the sleeper hold on them, right? This is they're, when all, t- they're all Boy Scouts, Sean. That's why they do this. <laughs> Jimmy Snuka, right off the top. I'm holding up a number three, if in case you're not watching on video. <laughs> Bill, Bill, I know you watched all four of the games uh, as a fan. What what did you see in what Golden State did, or or what Cleveland wasn't able to do against that team? I think for me, it's more just the overall feeling of uh, how deflating the loss for you know game one game was. One. It was a must Cavs, win, right? Oh, if the Cavs win that game, it just it just resets everything, right? Where uh, um, I I'm not saying that the Cavs win the series, but boy, they would have been in a much better position even in game two, going home for game three. If they're it's a one one split, that's just a whole nother uh, it's a whole nother series that we didn't get to see. So. For me, that that uh, that kind of set the tone, and then you just had it was just this feeling of inevitability. I mean, we all said it on the the show last. I don't think any of us picked the Cavs to win it all. We, you know, it was either going to be a sweep or a four-one. So I, I predicted four-two, and boy, was I way I was the most off, right? Four-two, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think you know we just saw the inevitable happen. I, I you know, I guess my my take is this: what's um, how much how much longer can the Warriors go like this? I mean. You know, Houston Houston definitely gave him a run, but that's the only team in the West that's going to really matter, it looks like. Maybe um, San Antonio, if Kawhi ends up coming back and they can add something to that puzzle. But but if, if LeBron does come out to the West, is he going to be – is he going to go to a team that can get him past the Warriors because he can't get past them with the supporting cast he has in Cleveland? So what, what's he going to do? <laughs> uh, well, Bill, I think it starts on with Steve Kerr, right? I mean, yeah. just – what an even-keeled, uh, just, I, I don't know. He, uh, it's tough to be an NBA coach because you have to handle superstars, especially a good team, right? You're going to have at least two good guys, maybe three, four. So, you, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, and I think he has the perfect personality. So I think it starts with him. And Curry's and, got eight rings, right? Eight rings? Well, he's six, got eight. Five for the Bulls. Three. Yep. Six for the Bulls or five, five and three? Five with the Bulls. One, yeah. with the Spurs, one with the Spurs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
four of them. No, 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 no. He's got he's got three as a player with the Bulls. He's got two as a player with the Spurs, and he's got three as a coach with Golden State. That's what it is. Okay, there you go. And then Shay, you sent us a uh, a little text uh, pre-show about maybe get a little insight on where LeBron may end up next year, right? Yeah, so we got we got we got a couple of interesting things. Um, as far as Steve Kerr, I wanted to point out with Steve Kerr, uh, Steve Kerr is a priority for Golden State. You you renew Steve Kerr's contract, you bring him back, and all the other pieces will fall in line. Sure, they they have a lot of uh, a lot of expenses for a few players. They're they're spending a lot of money, but Golden State. I just read something. Golden State brought in one hundred and thirty million dollars in gross revenue for eleven playoff games, just the playoffs yeah. alone. $130 million wow. in gross revenue. Wow. Um, they're, also, they're also building a new arena, so they're leaving Oracle, which is on the Oakland side of the Bay, and they're moving to the other side on the San Francisco side of the Bay. And just in membership fees, they've already brought in $300 million that's, in membership fees. Wow. That's where the money is, right? That side of the Bay is where the money is, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, in, in perspective, Todd, Oakland's got way more than we have here in Ohio. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying San Francisco, there's, that's, you know, that's Silicon big Silicon Valley, yeah. You know, yeah, probably right between San Francisco and San Jose, right? So yeah, that same area there. Oh, um, so we talk about uh, Bill. You talk about LeBron going west, and there's a possibility that he will go west. Um, I just read an article where LeBron's kids have officially enrolled in the same seventh uh, through twelfth grade that Scottie Pippen's son is and Kenyon Martin's son is, hmm. which is in Southern city? California. That's Los in Angeles, Los Angeles. Right? Yep, that's in Los Angeles. Um, another interesting angle with the LeBron with LeBron sweepstakes is uh, David Griffin, who was the former general manager for the Cleveland Cavs, who actually brought LeBron back from Miami. David Griffin Griffin is a front runner to land the Philadelphia 76ers general manager role to help lure LeBron in there as well. Um, and if we have a little time, Sean, you got to tell me how much time we have. But uh, Philadelphia has been going through going through the ringer the last couple of weeks as well with the Brian Colangelo scandal, which mm. I don't, yeah, I don't think sports has seen anything like that. Why don't you oh. break that down in like a 60 second layman's terms? Cause it's kind of a, almost a soap opera really what's happened the way he kind of uh, got caught and threw his wife under the bus. The wife hasn't come out and spoke. Why don't you give kind of a, here's what happened and here's the fallout of that. So just in synopsis, we'll put it this way. Uh, Brian Colangelo was the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, Five, allegedly five fake Twitter accounts. And mm-hmm. on the Twitter accounts, he's doing everything from throwing his players under the bus to offering potential trades to disclosing confidential injury information as well. But was it, was, was it fan Twitter accounts? Was it like a fan or was it a media person or who was the tw- fake Twitter accounts? No, it was, it was a general fake Twitter account. He was also attacking some Philadelphia 76 media members as well. Okay. okay. Um, now, it did come out that um, later on in the investigation that it was his wife that created these accounts and that he may or may not have been tweeting from the accounts that she created. But needless to say, um, he had to part ways with the 76ers. That's like old uh, – yeah, what a what – a, uh, he, he knew something about it, right? Come on. It was just – Yeah, yeah. Too. yeah. yeah. So. I, and I love I love now that uh, we've known about burner phones for a long time, but I love the birth of the burner Twitter account. <laughs> I know it's been there. I know KD had one a year ago, two years ago, but I love that phrase. So, Shay, back to the Lakers possibility. You know, a lot of people, the, the main teams you've heard is he stays in Cleveland, uh, probably low chance on that. Um, you've heard Philadelphia, Houston, uh, yeah. L.A., and Miami, right? 
Yeah, what? and I'll throw I'll throw in Boston? a couple more. Boston, yeah. Boston's huge. So Boston's really interesting as well because Boston has draft picks, Boston has cap room, and Boston has the ability to do a signing trade situation uh, because of their future picks with Cleveland. Um, so it's interesting to see what happens there and if LeBron's willing to play with Kyrie or if Kyrie's on the move again as well. Wow. So you really think there's a possibility they could sign and trade LeBron? Cleveland could sign and sign LeBron, trade him to Boston for Kyrie? It's, it's possible. Anything's possible at this point. Anything's yeah. possible. I don't think that LeBron would actually play with Kyrie again. Right. There's okay. a lot of bad blood. So let's let's keep LeBron moving. Let's keep LeBron on the move. If LeBron does go to Los Angeles as as maybe the smoking gun of his kids signing up for school, not that, that not that he couldn't go to school and with the private jets and getting where they need to be to see dad play. Does LeBron go there and try and put together a a supporting cast of uh, you know Le, Levar and, and and those guys, or does he bring or does he bring um, Kawhi? Does he bring uh, Paul George? Is there someone else coming with him to c- try and create his own super team? Kyle Corver. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 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 Todd! You laugh, but he 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 kept Mike Miller on the line for a long time. You know he needed that. Corver, he'll be the million dollar veteran exception, right? Exemption or whatever they yes. call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm mean, seriously. So so if he goes to Los Angeles, does he play with the team that's there, or does he bring other players with him? Well, the Lakers alone will bring players in. Uh, the Lakers have been bad for the last couple of years, but. The Lakers' name alone will bring players in. The weather in L.A., just the market of L.A., and then you combine that with LeBron James, and you combine that with the cap room to bring in another max free agent as well. They have enough cap space to bring in two max free agents. Um, and Julius Randle could be on the move. A lot of these younger guys could be on the move. Maddie Johnson's came out and said that uh, Brandon Ingram's the only one that's untouchable. Everybody else on the team can go. Don't, don't you think uh, that it, if it was Kawhi, it'd be much better than Paul George? Yeah. I disagree. Hmm. I disagree. I think that uh, in the last two years, Paul George has proved that he can play without the ball in his hand. And Kawhi, now granted, this past season he's had to do – he was asked to do more offensively. But I feel that Kawhi is kind of – the later he gets in his career, is more of an offensive player. And when you play with LeBron, you pretty much become spot-up shooters on offense. Totally Todd, ignorant – Totally quick, ignorant question for Shay. So with the Clippers getting rid of Blake Griffin, was that a cap maneuver to attract LeBron? Are we sure it would be the Lakers and not the Clippers? We're not sure of anything. We're not <laughs> sure of anything. LeBron has two houses in LA. We don't, no one knows what LeBron's going to do. Um, I don't see LeBron going to the second team in, in LA though. I just don't see that happening. Right. So a couple other names that I've just seen on the Twitter storm, and I think this is what we're braced for in the next uh, two months uh, between the draft and, and this is a lot of people wondering, you know, good for the NBA because it's going to stay in the headlines with LeBron, uh, the LeBron sweepstakes coming up. But um, earlier this week we saw a possible tweet that um, Russell Westbrook would come to Cleveland and play with LeBron. Do you see any chance of that happening? And do you see any chance, Shay, of the Knicks getting in the game uh, for LeBron? And, and bring him to Broadway. I do. I do. I see the Knicks more important than anything else. Um, LeBron's been on record. One of his favorite coaches is my favorite coach in the league as well, which is David Fizdale, who was an assistant when he was with the Miami Heat. And they have a very close personal relationship. And Coach Fizz just took the job with the Knicks. Um, coach Fizz, or excuse me, LeBron is actually 
come out and said, and I think Dwayne Wade said in an interview this morning with Fox that LeBron's decision where he plays next is going to be more so around lifestyle and mm. around his brand than it is winning championships. So that doesn't rule New York out at all. Hey, you saw his uh, ACDC Angus Young outfit with the shorts and the tie and the, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, fashion, fashion might be one of his plays, right? I mean, getting in with, with Diddy and those guys, I mean, I, I don't know, but New York, what about the Westbrook to Cleveland with LeBron? Any chance of that? I don't see Westbrook. Leaving. I don't think that would work. I don't work, see him in Oklahoma city. The con yeah. the massive contract that he just signed. And I think he's happy right where he is. Okay. Hey, Carp, our, uh, our buddy Aaron Conrad predicted that um, this won't be the last time LeBron comes and goes in Cleveland. He predicts he's going to, at the end of his career, sign one more year, uh, maybe a retirement contract and retire a Cav and live okay. in Akron. So Very that's some Ohio in, uh, prediction. So let me finish the NBA talk. I want to ask you three guys, we're talking to someone in Tampa who kind of grew up in out west, talking to someone in, in Atlanta and talking to someone out in Portland. Do you guys look now at the two-year-ago decision of KD to sign with the Golden State Warriors as a, as a joke, as a smart decision? What do you guys see three people that don't live in Cleveland that have actually had to suffer at the loss of you know, three of the four last years? Cleveland fans seem to think it was the cheapest move. He was, you know, it, was a, it was the Bush, most Bush League move of all times. I'm not trying to sway the jury. I just want to know what all three of you guys, do you think it was a good decision by KD? Do you think it was a cheap decision to go to a 73-win team? Uh, what are your thoughts on KD signing with, with Golden State a couple of years ago? Bill, let's start with you. Sure. Um, <laughs> I get why it would rub a Cleveland fan the wrong way. However, um, I think you know those kinds of moves are littered throughout history in sports, right? When someone's mm-hmm. trying to get that ring. And uh, if Kate, you know, like I have, I have no problem with Katie making that move. Obviously it uh, worked out for him and he got what he wanted. I think that, um, you know, especially if you're a fan in Cleveland who got that championship, LeBron came back, put a team together, (laughs) brought some people in kind of the same thing that Golden State does. And, uh, and he did it again when he left Cleveland and went to Miami, he took two guys with him, right? It was Wade and Bosch and that supporting cast. So I think it's a, it's hard to criticize. It's hard to, it's hard to go against somebody who beat LeBron um, at kind of his own game, which was, you know, manipulating the system in such a way that he could uh, um, maximize his opportunities for championships. That's what Katie did. Okay. Todd. Um, I, the short answer is I think it's a, a brilliant move by him, right? He's, he's winning championships. Um, a long time ago it was determined that one guy can't do it. He needs a supporting cast in a new NBA. Um, what's more telling is, how much KD, I don't know how to put this, how, how difficult Westbrook was to work with and how much those two didn't like each other because you had two superstars already on the same team and one left. So to me, that just speaks volumes. And uh, uh, the egos did not mesh between uh, two, two of the best players in the West with Westbrook and, and KD that he felt he needed to leave uh, to win a championship. Shay, how about you? Last, last take on the NBA. Uh, can you blame a guy for wanting to win a ring? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, I mean, the NBA, you're measured on how many championships you win, right? So he's trying to, he's trying to establish his legacy. So I don't blame him. Yeah. I just, you know, I, once again, I know it's a very uh, polarizing subject for Cleveland fans, but I just think around the country, less people look at him as a, as a carpetbagger. And as a, as, you know, they, they realize that a good player went to play with better players 
and have the best chance to win the tournament, to win a ring. That's what it's about, right? If you're, if you work at, at Amazon and Google's a better opportunity, you go to Google, you know, I just, I just don't see that as being a, a cheat or dastardly or anything like that. But, um, We'll, we'll circle back to the NBA, uh, uh, you know, because obviously uh, Luka Doncic and some of the uh, drafts, Marvin Bagley now is is kind of openly campaigning for that number one spot. Uh, so we'll, we'll circle around the drafts up in three weeks. Is that right, Shay? Yeah, you're looking at three weeks from the draft. Three weeks. All right, let's let's go to the other championship, which which happened uh, two two kind of um, anticlimactic uh, finishes, but the Stanley Cup uh, was won four to one uh, by the Washington hmm. Capitals. Um, in the history of the Stanley cup, I don't remember a player being more, having more fun celebrating his Stanley cup win than, Oh, Alexander Ovechkin, what he's been doing the last couple of days, uh, drinking out of the cup and, and traveling around and dancing in, in, um, in fountains. And, you know, I'm sure there has been, but maybe with, with Twitter and social media, the way it is now, um, we're just seeing it more. Uh, but let's talk about the Washington Capitals four to one Stanley cup victory over the, Vegas Golden Knights, uh, great run by the Vegas Golden Knights. The Capitals win their first Stanley Cup and brings Washington their first title since 1992. Uh, Bill, let's start with you. Your son uh, is a big Caps fan. He's in D.C. now. What was your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was fun to watch Kev, uh, kind of watch it through Kevin's lens, you know, Snapchat and Instagram. Uh, mm. He was out there celebrating uh, after the uh, victory, uh, rolled back to the apartment. He said about one in the morning. He said, I got to walk home from the celebration, dad, it was pretty cool. Nice. I said, that is, that is good. So, uh, that was fun to watch. I think that, um, you know, my, you know, my place, I've been talking about it for weeks. I I felt that the uh, golden Knights, uh, they need a little dose of humility. It's not much humility to make it to the Stanley cup your first year, but to win it all would have just been unbearable. Um, you know, so I think that, uh, having Ovechkin win it, um, looking at the pain he's gone through at the hands of the Penguins over the years, you, you talk about it, Sean. Columbus has the same issue, right, whenever they get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the Caps, haven't they lost twice as a one seed in the first round? I think they've lost uh, twice. Three times, the, I think. To the eight seed. Yeah, yes. so they've gone through hell, quite literally hell. And uh, so to finally get that, you know, to, to get that W, to get that championship, kind of a – because Ovechkin, you know, without Sidney Crosby, he's without a doubt the greatest hockey player of his generation, right? But, mm. you know, with Crosby in the mix, here we go again, right? Nadal's got Federer and Phil, <laughs> Phil and Tiger, and everybody's got someone in front of him. Uh, I like seeing him get his, uh, his just due. Todd, what was your thoughts? Once again, it's, it's, you always lo- love to talk about they're playing hockey on ice, <laughs> on skates. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, and I hope I don't wear that out. But so starting what you said, Sean, and then I'll go to what Bill said, um, I think hockey does so many things right. and. I was, was, for all intents and purposes, I grew up in Florida. I was born in Baltimore, moved a little bit, but then ended up in Florida was in four. So hockey was foreign, um, foreign to me. And they do so many things right. Like when they end a series, they do the handshakes, kind of like baseball. They they let, you know, the guys kind of settle disputes with the, uh, the goons. Um, and I think another thing to do right is, is celebrate the Stanley cup. I think no one celebrates like hockey and, um, I agree with you. I think with social media, it's easier to follow, but there's some, there's some epic uh, legendary tales of what, where they bring the Stanley cup and what they do with it. Um, so good for those guys. Once you win it, you win it. Uh, Bill, we, it's document on this. I, I, I was disagreeing with you a little bit as far as bringing Vegas down. Um, it is what it is. And I wouldn't be surprised if 
at the Staredown's 2000s edition, we'll find that Vegas hasn't made the playoffs uh, since, right? You get one, <laughs> you get one chance at this thing. Uh, they had lightning in a bottle. Um, I think it would have been a neat story if they won, but it's in some ways a neater story that a team that struggled for so long finally got over the top. Um, maybe it's a generational thing. It's the, the entitlement of Vegas first year. You didn't want to see it versus the old grizzled team that that's really uh, struggled blood, sweat, and tears. So Another, happy to see, you're, happy to th- see you're throwing the millennials in my face. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Todd, it is, <laughs> I didn't mean insult anyone. I'm just trying to give you a little perspective, right? If you look through the history of, once again, I know it's a different sport, but you look at the history of the Final Four, there's always that George Mason, Virginia Commonwealth, team, right? you know, Butler, um, Loyola Chicago, you know, and it's that one chance, you know, that one chance you have to, to make it. And Butler's really the only one that's ever made it even to the championship game. And we talked about NBA for a long time. I mean, rarely, if ever, I mean, maybe once, I don't think once, an eight team doesn't beat a one seed. But in hockey, it's so balanced that, yeah. you know, as you said, three times Washington was number one, they got balanced by an eight seed, and that's not uncommon. So, um, and yeah. sum it up, uh, I'm happy for Washington. Um, it would have been a neat story if it went the other way, but I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not upset they won. Hey, look, maybe, maybe this will cause Vegas to tone down the opening act, you know, the show. <laughs> Just a skosh, right? I, hey, that, that was for, great. For a, that was the only Broadway, reason I watched the game. For a Broadway Tony lover, I would have thought you'd love that, though. That's what, I'm, that's what I understand, but look, that's for another show. Look, that, I'm not a Game of Thrones lover. I don't watch that show. That was Game of Thrones, dude. That wasn't Broadway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Shay, how about you? As, as, a, as a kind of the, the closet uh, hockey fan, you know, you watch it because it's, it's, you're a sports fan and it's the biggest stage of, of hockey. What do you think of the, of the series and what do you think of the Washington win? Watching, watching game, what was it, game five? Yeah. Game, mm-hmm. game five. Game five in Vegas. And they, they do the shot where they pan to – to the MCI center or they pan to the arena in, in Washington, you see all the people outside. That was awesome. Like right. you don't see that in sports outside of soccer. I can't think of any sports. Yeah. Where and, the and the arena, the arena was full. Sorry to interrupt, but the arena was full of people and the outside of the arena and the streets was full. That was really cool. Kevin couldn't get into bars two blocks from the place on game four, not game five. I mean, it was that, 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 that whole it's just right at the end of G Street. It's it's literally seven blocks from the White House. Uh, it was a zoo. That's just awesome, man. Just to, just to hear those stories and to see that, that's awesome. And then to see Alexander Ovechkin's face and just that joy on his face. And he wouldn't leave the cup. He's sleeping yeah. with the cup mm-hmm. at home. He's sleeping with it on the plane. He, he's drinking out of it. He's taking shots out of it. He's just doing everything with his cup. I you, don't, you don't get the Vince Lombardi trophy. You don't get to bring that home. That's what I love about <laughs> hockey and that tradition that they, they let the team have it for all summer, right? I mean, that's oh, I'm sure there's a silversmith somewhere who hates his job. Uh, when the, when the cup comes back, finally Has to get, to get the dents out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's got to repair it. <laughs> and how big is that cup going to be? They put every member of every team that's won in the cup. Eventually they're not going to be able to lift the cup, right? It's right. going to be, wide or too heavy it's they have to retire the cup eventually yeah, and start but there's just there's something special that Todd you you mentioned it that no matter who's playing I'll watch the when, when the Stanley Cup's in the building there's a chance for it to be you know presented and like I said I I kind of joke the guy with the long white hair and he wears his white gloves <laughs> same guy you know, they, they bring it out and and they always they put it on the ice but then they present the you know the the uh, MVP trophy first Con Smythe trophies. Con Smythe, which which uh, which Ovechkin 
clearly deserved. By the way, how fast did he get rid of that? He he was like, hey, this he is won the real cup. cup. He, he, won has, he handed it off to an assistant. Get, get rid of this. I got to get yeah. Thing. yeah. But but then when they when they say you know uh, Batman, you know, and once again, it's it would have been cooler to see it on the home ice, but it's always cool to see it, you know, and and to see how many Capitals fans were in the audience. A lot. Um, but really, to see how many Knights fans stayed because so many of those people are probably transplants. But just you know, you only get one chance maybe to see that that cup come out and be handed off. But you know, they always hand it to the captain. And Ovechkin could do nothing but just scream with it, you know. And and then the, the way they kind of hand it off to the different players, and each player gets to kind of skate it up and down the ice, and then back to the next play. It's just such a cool thing that every player, coaches, and trainers all get a chance to lift it up, you know. And it's just such a neat thing. Um, I think was, you saw. I think you saw clubhouse guys getting a hold of it as well. I mean, Ovechkin was there making sure everybody got to hoist it. You know? And then to watch Ovi stand behind the owner because he wasn't sure he's was going to topple over or not. <laughs> He's not a very big guy. Yeah, Leonsis. Yeah, they, he kind of held it with him, right? Yeah, he kind of got it up there to make sure uh, everything was okay. It was great. Yeah, very, very cool. So uh, congrats to the, uh, the Stanley Cup champions. Uh, and as Todd, as you said, every single player that's ever won it is on that thing. And that, they just keep adding or they shrink the font size of it or something. But it, it just keeps, you know, um, it doesn't way, get bigger. But Major props to that commercial where all those players were spelling their name. I mean, I, I could not get enough of that commercial, right? Yeah. Uh, where we had Messier and Gretzky and Oren Hull and, uh, and Lemieux, all these guys just spelling out parts of their name. I thought that was well done. I mean, I know it was a commercial. Once again, here, I can't tell you who it was. It might have been the NHL. It might have been Sprint. I don't know. <laughs> and sports, human, sports is human. It's emotion. Um, I, I forget the guy's name, but he was talking. They're interviewing him. He's crying because his dad, I guess. T.J. Oshie. T.J. Oshie, yeah. Unbelievable. He's like, he's like, it's been so hard, but I and the he said, I think he'll remember this, which I thought was very yeah. – uh, that is dementia, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of, yeah. One of those yeah, terrible diseases. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but what a cool story. Uh, let's go to another champion. Um, you know, we, we see Durant and Steph and those guys get their fourth – or third out of four. Uh, we see Ovechkin win his first. Uh, we saw Rafael Nadal win his 11th. <laughs> Dominates um, the clay, doesn't he? Bill, I, I, want, I want to turn it over to you. Shay's our NBA specialist. You're, you and – you want to bring Cindy in for this one. But um, – what this guy's doing in Roland Garros is really, I mean, it's unbelievable. And he's still only what, 36, 37? No, no, no. Old. No, he's 32. He's, he's 32, yeah. and I think Federer's 35. He's only yeah. 32, and he's one of them. Yeah. That's yeah, a yeah, long yeah. first one at 18 or 19. Yeah, yeah, he was really young. And hurt for a couple others, they probably would have won too if he could have played. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy number, 11, right? <laughs> and, uh, um, how many majors do he have other than the French? He's, he's up to not, 17. I think he's yeah. three, three behind Federer. So, wow. It's interesting. I mean, you know, Federer's three years older and can the doll stay healthy? He's his knees are his issue. Federer's got back trouble every now and then. Um, so, you know, we'll see if uh, Federer can give a run. Uh, or I submit Nadal can give, can run him down. The problem is if Federer can somehow pull out another Wimbledon uh, here you know, next month, I think that being four up again, would just make it, pretty tough for Nadal to get him, but uh, it's, it's great. I, I heard somebody say, say today on the radio, it's too bad. There's these two camps. It's Nadal fans and Federer fans, right? They really support one or the other and they'll just try to downgrade the other guy to build their guy up. Um, I think it was Trey Wingo. And he said, why can't we just celebrate both? Or it was, mm. it was uh, Fowler. So why can't we just celebrate both? Right. Because it's, it's an amazing time in tennis to have two guys with that many, um, that many championships and think about think about what they did to Murray and Djokovic 
and and mm. all these other Stanmore, Rinka, whoever. I mean, once again, you're born at the wrong time because <laughs> there's these two guys that you can't get past. And hats off to Dominic's team. He tried, but I mean, he beat him in Rome this year on clay. But boy, uh, Roland Garros is something else for Nadal, and he straight set at him, and it was over quick. So yeah, and it wasn't even close. It was six three, six two, six two, right? Yeah, it wasn't even close. So so. Federer doesn't like clay notoriously. He's, I think he's won one or two. Nadal doesn't like grass, right? Well, it's, it's a different game. You know that, right? I mean, it's, it's – Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a different surface. But that kind of balances their greatness, right? So yeah. of the four majors, um, one of them traditionally does not like and doesn't do well in one of the four. So, so um, these, guys, these guys are in their 30s. The last six majors have gone Nadal, Federer, Nadal, Federer, Nadal, Federer. <laughs> Yeah, wow. We're now, seeing the greatest. We're seeing the greatest tennis players. Bill, yeah. from from a uh, there's a um, there's a group in the U.S. Open starting next week um, uh, that is um, it's the guys that have it's Rory, Jordan, and Phil, and they each have three of the four career grand slams. Has Federer won the career grand, grand slam in tennis? Yeah, he, he, he got one French. He, yep, he has. Okay, so he has one French. And what what yeah. is Nadal missing? I don't think he's missing anything. I don't either. Uh, I can look it up real quick. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they both have uh, the career. He's won all four. He's Okay. He's got one Wimbledon maybe, but, yeah, yeah. They, they dominate that one surface. He, he, definitely, uh, he definitely has a Wimbledon. I, I, I would check. I'm not sure about the Australian. He has a U.S. Open. And how about on the women's side? Sloan Stevens makes it to her makes it to the finals, but, yeah. to, but losses to Halep, right? Simona Halep. Yeah, she's a really good player. Her first major uh, would have been Sloan's first as well. She's up and coming, right? Both of yeah, them? Yeah, both of them. I, yeah, thought, I thought Sloan won the U.S. Open. I'm sorry. You're right. Just last year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's for good for Simona. She's a, she's a good player. And I mean, one of Cindy's favorites to be quite honest, she loves watching her play. So she from Belgium, Belgium. I think you're right. Once again, okay. I'm, I don't there. Cindy's in the other room. I look, have, me, look at me there. dropping my, my knowledge on there. Um, well, wait, were you following some Twitter tennis accounts? <laughs> just, uh, just, I, I'm just, I'm getting good at picking one of the three answers on uh, HQ. Yes. <laughs> Which is on in four minutes, by the way. That's all right. We're going to miss it tonight. Okay. Good all right. All right, so Nadal's got a Grand Slam for sure. He does. Okay. Career Grand yeah. Slam. And I'm looking at Federer. I'm sure he does. I'm oh, I know he does. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, once again, we, um, we'll get to the U.S. Open last. I, I say that for last, Bill. Um, let's, let's get to the Belmont. Uh, Belmont mm-hmm. and, and or the end of the Triple Crown. Uh, let's go to Shea on this one because Shea, Shea's kind of a closet horse racing fan. Um, <laughs> I we, didn't know that. She's we, out of the closet twice tonight. We, wow. we saw we, we saw uh, we saw a horse come in justify, as is every winner of the Kentucky Derby and Preakness, the, the the odds on favorite to win. But as we all talked about, the Belmont's a different animal. It's a long race. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're bringing in fresh horses. Uh, the pressure's all on the jockey. I don't think the pressure's on the horse, um, but the jockey and the trainer and and how are they going to come out? And um, Shay, what did First of all, there was the stablemate of, of Justify that, that ran the race, and a lot of, lot of um, naysayers. Once again, it sounds like, like sour grapes to me. Um, but, you know, the, the, his stablemate kind of ran a nice race and blocked some runners and horses. And it's no different than a horse that's fresh coming in and racing, right? Um, what did you think about Justify's becoming the 13th uh, Triple Crown winner in 99 years? Isn't that awesome? We talk about we talk about championships, and we talk mm-hmm. about Stanley Cup, and we talk about the NBA Finals, but to only happen thirteen times in ninety nine years, and, out of th- and we talk out about thirty six chances, right? There's been thirty six attempts, so only yeah, a third. And, yeah. 
and 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 horse racing so it's, it's a couple different parts you got the horse itself you have the trainer and then you have a jockey so we talk about the jockey who was riding on justify was mike smith mike smith's 52 years old in his first <laughs> triple crown he's an og like, that's great 52 <laughs> year old jockey like that's awesome man yeah. and he yeah. finally got his first one but the race itself, I mean, Justify led from 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 the gate to the to the to the wire. Like he just led the entire way. Just a really really awesome horse. But another horse that kind of caught my attention. I'm not sure if everybody saw the race was Gronkowski. So if you <laughs> yep. go back and you watch the replays of this, it, this horse is at least two furlongs behind everyone else. He's just all the way at the very back, and then he just makes a run at the last minute, and he almost catches Justify at the end. He finishes second, but he makes a a really good run at the race. It, the, you, stole, you stole a little of my thunder. Um, so if you're going to bet horses, do it three times a year. Do it Kentucky Derby, Belmont, and Preakness. <laughs> so simply because it was Gronkowski, uh, uh, Jenny and I, were we won 100, 100 bucks on that. So we were laughing because he was the number six horse, maybe? Six horse. Six and horse. so there's a pile in front. There's only 10 horses, nine horses, and then literally 20 – paces behind was number six so we're laughing but i go you know what horse racing is kind of weird just just wait and see and he ended up finishing second um so anyway yeah interesting story uh the, the horse gronkowski actually smaller than the player gronkowski i believe it. <laughs> <laughs> no. share that tweet uh with i'll, I'll share it Sh- uh, sean's uh, lovely life Rhonda said you know hey he won the triple crown what does he get like a lot of carrots <laughs> Every every guy in the world, if you put a spotlight in his head saying, if you believe in reincarnation <laughs> and you live a really good life, you want to come back as a triple crown winning horse. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll, you no, can fill in the blanks. You I, like, I, like, I like Sean's answer. He's very polite to his wife, Rhonda. He said he gets to, he gets to uh, have as many – Sleep with as many horses he wants. partners as he wants. <laughs> yes. It kept yeah, it real clean. Yes, better than carrots. Oh, Hasht- no. Hashtag better than carrots. Better yes, than carrots, yeah. but no, he also gets carrots. That's the beauty. <laughs> no, exactly, <laughs> and carrots. Exactly. Yes, and carrots. So yeah, pretty pretty exciting. And as you know, I blogged about it today. Uh, it's funny because um, you know I think I shared with you my my tweet that I sent to Tim Collishow, uh, the the uh, Texas beat writer, uh, who after oh, no. uh, American Pharaoh run. When he said, you know, I just think people are, are not going to, there won't be an excitement around horse racing anymore because now that, now that this one has finally broken the 37 year stretch, um, I just don't think people are going to care anymore. And I'm like, are you, you kidding me? It. Like after, and I, I, I tweeted to him that night three years ago. And I said, you know, after um, Mark McGuire broke Roger Maris's record, you couldn't get enough of baseball. You wanted to see mm-hmm. players hit more home runs. And I said, I, I think someone within the next five years will win the triple crown. And sure enough, within three years, uh, I'm not saying I was any smarter. I just was trying to be argumentative on, on Twitter. But it's funny that I think people get bored with this success. And there will be people that will be rooting against Golden State next year because they'll say, I want someone new to win. But it's like, how can you get angry at success? And it's just um, – so So congrats to Justify and Bob Baffert and uh, Mike and, and everyone who had anything to do with that horse. I just think it's an amazing, uh, amazing thing that happened. And, and we got to see, you know – Really, if you think about it, Bill, you've seen four in your lifetime now. I mean, you've, yeah. there's been five, Secretary yeah. in 74, but you probably yeah. didn't pay attention to that one. No, in 73, oh, sec- 73 for Secretary, I absolutely paid attention. My dad was yeah. a sports freak, so oh, okay. anything that was on, we would watch. And I, I absolutely remember, you know, the, the 
the way he destroyed the field in the Belmont was unbelievable. 22 so, lengths. Is that right? Two lengths and set a record at all three tracks. That's I think still stands at all three tracks. So yeah. that, that horse was incredible. And, uh, but, but it's funny. I, you talk about, you know, I'm older, oldest guy, the, the gang here. Bill is 33 when secretary. <laughs> <won the trip. laughs> Cindy, Cindy and I were headed, <laughs> headed to the beach, right. To, to have some pizza and beer and watch the sunset. And I said, okay, so I kind of timed it. I go, they, they should be racing right now. I flipped on ESPN on the, uh, on the Sirius, and we caught the race just as it was starting. And it took me back to those days where I would uh, lay in bed at night with a transistor radio That's cool. and yeah. listen to a Padre game, right, with Randy Jones pitching in the uh, mid-'70s. But to hear a radio call of that race, it was super exciting. I just almost felt just as exciting as I was watching it on television. It was very cool. So That's really neat. Yeah. As much admiration as I give to hockey players – um, oh. horse racing announcers have to be right up there. Yeah, I mean, they're good. They're good. They see, you see a pack of horses and they're calling, you know, Gronkowski. And I'm like, how do you know who's <laughs> where, when? Unbelievable. Those guys are so talented. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, uh, I guess next up's Breeders' Cup, and that happens in a couple months, right? Is that, that's a September thing, right? That's yeah, September, October, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, but these horses, you know, most likely, um, uh, I talked to my buddy who I play golf with, who owns his own uh, trotter horse, not a not a thoroughbred, but, uh, and um, he said, unless the person who bought his rights wants to race him again, he will probably uh, justify will go undefeated into retirement. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought somebody said he might run a Breeders' Cup or or Saratoga or something, but. But that would they be why, why would you race again? Well, they they haven't announced the race, but Mike Smith said that he will race again. He's yeah. five for five right now. He will race again, but they haven't announced what race it will be. Because yeah. if you break a leg, uh, well, you got to put the horse down, right? Uh, I, hmm. So I know, maybe when they're worth that much, they do something different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they spend a little money to fix them. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, they, they suspend them from a sling for I don't know. I don't know what they do. Yeah, yeah. wow. I, I guess at that point in time, they're not looking for his legs anymore. They're looking for something else. So. <laughs> Um, all right, let's, let's, so we've been through the championships, wow. NBA, NHL, French and Belmont. Uh, let's talk other sports, uh, and we'll, we'll finish our conversation with the U S open coming up this week. Uh, always a fun week. Second U S uh, second major, uh, major league baseball. Let's just recap. Cause we'll start paying a little more attention to baseball in the next couple of weeks, because obviously as a, as the, uh, we have to, as we, we, have, we have to exactly. Um, American league, uh, Yankees are leading the East Cleveland leading the central uh, by mm. a wide margin uh, and tied out West Seattle and Houston. Um, nationally, we got Washington and Atlanta still in a tie in the East. Todd, congratulations on the Atlanta, making it fun. Obviously probably uh, leading the, the sports stories right. each night and uh, keeping the local, right. uh, the local talk going. Uh, Milwaukee. Thank leads you. I've, in, con- I've contributed a lot to that. So thank you for no problem. No problem. Just, yes. uh, just <laughs> Supporting the crowd, uh, Milwaukee leading the Central and Arizona out west. That that's been teetering back and forth uh, between two or three teams. Um, and in NCAA baseball, um, of note, uh, two of the co-hosts on the show, Sean and Todd, are Florida Gator grads, and Shay is an Auburn uh, alum. Are you an Auburn alum, Shay, or an Auburn fan? I am an Auburn guy. I'm not an alum. I did my undergrad at Tuskegee, and I went to grad school in Auburn. So okay, so, oh, so nice. grad. Grad school works. Yep. And uh, we are right now watching the – clinching the, the last game to get into Omaha uh, right now. And it's um, Auburn and Florida tied in game three, uh, middle of the fourth, uh, 1-1. And uh, thrilling game one. We had the two top pitchers in college baseball, two of the three, arguably. Uh, the guy down in Corvallis, Shane, 
Shay down the road from you is a pretty good player. A lot of controversy behind him. Um, but uh, Auburn comes back and, and walks off in the bottom of the ninth last, last night against Florida. So they're playing a clinching uh, match. Um, right now in is Oklahoma – or I'm sorry, Oregon State, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just side note, North Carolina has not lost a game. They, they swept 3-0 in their regionals and 2-0 in their super regionals. Washington Huskies get in. Uh, beating Cal State Fullerton, Texas outlasts Texas or Tennessee Tech today. Mississippi State walks off uh, uh, off of a Vandy game. Uh, Texas Tech is in. Uh, I believe Arkansas was roping South Carolina. Ten two, I think. Yeah, big big win or probably a big win there. Uh, not not done yet, but uh, we'll, we'll pencil uh, Arkansas in. And the winner of this Florida Auburn game will be going. Uh, remember, the Florida is the defending champions. So we'll talk more about the. Uh, college world series next week um bill of note i think your boy uh showy otani uh, injured this week mm. scary it's that scary injury uh strained uh, ligament and it's the uh, tommy john type so Ooh, really yeah they're gonna let him see if he can uh, rest it it's not required yet it's one grade away from that happened happened during pitching or during hitting pitching oh, he could play as a, uh, a dh with that injury not a problem at all uh, but they won't do that with him because in their mind, he's much more valuable as a pitcher than a hitter, uh, you know, hitting a hundred, 101 with a fastball, nasty splitter. That's, that's probably the reason his ligaments screaming. So shut um, him down like Strasburg, right? Yeah, you had to. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, he's, he's only 24. So it could be that, you know, and many guys come back stronger from that surgery, but you're going to lose him for at least a year, if not more. So mm-hmm. yeah. Bill, did he have a similar injury before he came over? I don't think he did. I, I, I think I don't think he had surgery. Um, I'm pretty sure he didn't. I mean, I think he was. I don't remember that. It was something with the arm, though, right? It was something with that same arm, right? Well, I, I look. I would completely assume that his arm is going to be the issue. <laughs> he throws yeah. with. I mean, that guy's unbelievable. So. Yeah. So we'll have to keep our eyes on that one. Um, just a tip of the cap. I don't like to do it, Todd. I think, but we have to. Uh, in in women's softball, uh, Florida State. Uh, Florida State Seminoles girls uh, beat Washington two games, nothing win their first softball national championship. Kudos to the girls in Tallahassee. The Lady Uh, Seminoles. Yep. Lady Seminoles. Uh, Todd, let's get a little World Cup preview. Uh, I think, does it start next week? Oh, go ahead, Shay. You want to jump in on something? Before we leave baseball, I I got a funny story and I want to talk about it for a quick second. Um, Saturday night, the Braves are actually in LA playing the Dodgers. Um, Anibal Sanchez, the pitcher for the Braves who started yes. Saturday night, his yep. hotel room gets robbed. hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> what? <laughs> of jewelry. Of jewelry. While watches. he's pitching. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're uh, right. Four watches, four watches and uh, four watches and some other jewelry. It totaled up to over a hundred thousand dollars while he's playing a game in LA. Let's hope he has insurance. Uh, on, a, on a side note, interesting that none of the Braves managers are uh, Bench staff was there that day, so it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, Where did he come from, Bill? He's he's a fairly new acquisition for the Braves. I should know. Shame on me. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure either. Um, but I know he's got way too much. Uh, he's got way too much cash to be buying four watches and some jewelry at hundred grand. So. Well, when when we were 24, if we were given that much money, we may not have made the best decisions, right? <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Let's hope he has a good. Uh, uh, Insurance, plan. yes, yeah. good insurance plan. Yeah. Um, Todd, World Cup, does that start next week or in two weeks? 
Sean, glad you brought it up. So it starts actually, if I'm not mistaken, and there's always fact checking with Google and phones, uh, Thursday, June 14th. So, and it's going to run through, I want to say July 15th. So it's a full month, full month of soccer. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking being a red blooded American that we didn't make it. Um, that said, we're still playing friendlies. Apparently the, the USA team is, is coming together. They brought a lot of young guys up and, uh, they're going with the youth movement, which they should. Um, but very exciting. So the, the, the odds on favorites of the world cup are Brazil, uh, Germany. Then you have, um, uh, France, Spain, Argentina, and Belgium. Those are the top C top six odds on favorites. Um, weirdly enough, they're all in, there's eight groups, right? Um, there's group play, top two teams advance, and then they go into the bracketed play. So all the top six are in different groups. Um, usually they do a random draw and there's the quote unquote group of death. So you'll have like a, uh, you know, the one seed and the four seed in the same group, um, which is, it's tough because the top two advance, but then the second seed for group G has got to play the one seed. You, you want to be the one seed if all possible after they bracketed afterwards. So, um, yeah, so Thursday it is in Russia. Um, so I'm not sure how the time's going to, going to line up. I'm sure it'll be awkward, weird times. I haven't gotten that far. Um, I can, I can look, uh, on my phone as we're coming about. Yeah. But. So, so really the, the, the final four, so to speak, the, the big games, uh, I'm not sure if they're going to be in Moscow or St. Petersburg, but those will be not until sometime in July, right? Yeah. So it's, um, they call it group play originally. So every, there's four teams in every group and I believe there's eight groups, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so they all play each other. So there's, and then you have points. So it's three points for a win, um, uh, zero or one for a tie, zero for a loss. And so then you seed after everyone plays each other, they go by points. Uh, the first two teams, the top two teams advance to, uh, to the um, so 16 minute plays off knockout. Yeah. Knockout stage. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yep. Yeah. So, so if you had to pick right now, Todd, knowing what you know, are you leaning on the, the favorites Germany or, or a lot of people are talking Belgium. I'm hearing a lot of Belgium talk from, you know, just people that I'm hearing on just watching on Twitter and, t- and seeing sports center and listening to podcasts and things like that. So who knows? So, uh, uh, Brazil's the number one seed odds on favorite. Oh, Brazil is okay. Yep. Then Germany, then France, Spain, I'm missing someone. Oh, France, Spain, Argentina, and Belgium. So Belgium right now is, is the sixth seed. Um, I, I'm going to go with Germany. They won last uh, the last World Cup. Um, Meininger, um, I got German German descent and heritage, so I'm going to say Germany. But I would not be surprised with any of the top five. Watch out for Argentina. Uh, they're the fifth odds-on favorite. They got Messi, Lionel Messi, world's best player. Um, Belgium. That's surprising. If you're hearing that, uh, maybe something I don't know. Kind of a dark horse, I think. Yeah, Luke, Lukaku's uh, one of their their good strikers. Played in the Premier League. So, hey, just. It's one of those. It's the dog days of summer. You're going to follow baseball. Pay attention a little to soccer. You're going to find it pretty interesting for those of you who don't uh, don't necessarily follow it. I'd love to say the same thing about the Tonys with you, Todd. But that's all right. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> but it's all, it'll be interesting to that see. Was a private, that was a private conversation, right? <laughs> it'll be interesting to see uh, what Russia brings to the table. You know, we had the Vuvuzelas. Um, you know, and we we've just seen each. Oh, kind that of, was awful. Yeah, yeah wow. you know, but we'll see. We'll see. You know, all over the huge country of Russia. Um, Shay, are you pulling for Argentina with a name like Shay? You know, are you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well played. 
Um, so so game, game one is Thursday at 11 a.m. Russia, Saudi Arabia kicks it off. So it's not a full slate, but that's the first game. I assume it's on Fox or Fox Sports 1 um, if you're looking at your – So I'm just going to guess every, every soccer game, Todd, is pretty much over under of 1.5. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see any betting lines, but I'll sure to, to try. He'll, he'll let us know next week. Yeah, uh, I'm two blocks from the Hofbrau House in St. Pete, one of 12. Uh, go watch the German game, please. Abs, I will watch the German game at the bar, I promise. Take pictures yes. for me. Drink I will. A, uh, yeah, I'll please. drink a bunch of lagers or uh, pilsners. Get a big leader, one of those leaders with the dimples in the glass, please. You got it. I will. That would, that would be fun. Yes, exactly. The dimples in the glass. Love it. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's finish up, Bill, with our talk. Ooh. I know it's a long episode, but uh, heading into a, a, a really fun week. We might even have to, to call for an emergency podcast this weekend as we head to Shinnecock Hills, mm. uh, the U.S. Open, uh, one of my favorite tournaments to watch because it's, it's the one tournament that kind of makes these guys look like – some of these guys look like amateurs. It's usually the, the highest score relative to par, uh, and we are – Seeing a lot of good golfers. Uh, we saw DJ have an amazing week. Uh, did you see his finishing shot there in, uh, in Memphis? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eagles it from the, from the uh, rough on 18, hits it in for a two to win by six. Uh, mm. in, in his tune-up, he, he reclaims the top ranking in the, in the official world golf rankings. Um, a lot of players come in playing good. There's obviously a spotlight on Tiger. There's a spotlight on Phil uh, with a chance to win his first U.S. Open and probably maybe one of the last good chances he has to win. Um, you know, Ricky well, just gets engaged. They're, they're at Pebble Beach next year. Don't rule Phil out of Pebble. He's a lot there. So Yeah, that's yeah. true. So, so Bill, what do you think uh, heading into the U.S. Open? What's your storylines? What's your, what's your thought process? What, what are you looking forward to seeing? Got some really good, uh, good pairings coming up on Thursday. Well, you're like me. You remember the last time at Shinnecock Hills, right, Sean? The disaster of those greens, right? The seventh, seventh green, which oh, cost Phil cost Phil the tournament on the, on this on Saturday. He putted um, it. Was he? Who was like twenty feet away, short of the hole, and putted it over the back, down a ridge, down the hill, right? Putted it off the green. Yeah, and on Sunday he actually hit it in the bunker on purpose. Yes. Um, yeah. To put spin on it and be able to you know keep it close to the hole. Yeah, and then Spencer Levine had a heck of a tournament. Remember, he might have aced seven. I think he, it was really an interesting uh, tournament. Uh, and then I think uh, it was a Retief who won. Trying to remember. Exactly. Retief Goosen won, yep. Yeah, back at Shinnecock. So it's fun to um, remember that course, especially – I can't remember the names of the holes as well, but there was a par four that, like, Corey Pavin couldn't carry it to the fairway. That's how long this this course was, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you really had to be able to hit the ball, uh, so it's going to punish people that can't um, drive the ball straight and long at the same time. So um, I'm looking forward to it. You know me. I'm a Tiger guy. I'm hoping that he finds magic and, and somehow he's in the hunt on Sunday. That would be the best case scenario for me. And, and I'll take any of the, uh, the old gang, right. With Phil or tiger, uh, having, having some fun on a Sunday. That's my hope. Yeah. Todd, Shay, any, any thoughts on, on what you're going to be looking forward to Shay, you get to, you get to watch, you know, this thing will be, uh, finishing up. It's, you know, I love it when they play on the West coast bill, cause we get the prime time, yeah. Uh, but this this one always ends on on Father's Day. It's kind of a neat uh, thing. Um, Todd or Shay, any any thoughts on what you're what you're going to be looking forward to on Thursday or Friday? That, that first round, which is you know you just pray there's no rain to slow down play because it really throws off the schedule if 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 the players can't start because I, I believe first tee time will be six fifty eight or seven in the morning. So yeah, um, uh, Bill jumped on this bandwagon last year, and I totally embraced it and hugged it and love it. 
Um, but I don't think it's going to happen this tournament. Bill, you, you always make, mention Ricky. He's going to win a major. <laughs> yeah. I am in that camp. Um, he is freshly engaged, um, 29. I just think that this course may be not forgiving enough because he, he bombs the ball, but he also puts up big numbers. And I think those one or two big numbers are going to hurt him. Um, I would look for Ricky to win either the British or the PGA. I'm calling it right now. But I think uh, I'm, my, the horse I'm going to back is, is, is Justin Thomas. I think he wins his – is that his second major? He won the PGA last yep. year. Yeah. Um, and, Shay, I don't know how much you, you love golf or don't love golf. It may be tough to watch, but um, kind of like me with horse racing, with the three big races, uh, pay attention to the majors. It's kind of it's fun to, to watch. And uh, the beauty of golf is you just watch a little bit and check the leaderboard, but you sit down and have a beer, and an hour into it, you're like, this isn't so bad. It's, it's quick moving. They're going shot to shot. Um, and there's huge drama. Wait till Sunday if you're going to watch anything. Wait till Sunday and watch the finish. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's all I'll say. For, for me, Todd, golf's one of those sports. It's a much better product on TV than walking around from hole to hole chasing a player alive. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I agree. Yep, somebody said about that. Yep. Um, I don't know how much I'll, I'll watch this weekend, but um, I do appreciate all athletes, and I appreciate majors. I, I understand how difficult it is to get to that point and uh, the work and effort that those guys put into it. It's pretty awesome. Very, very diplomatic answer, Shay. I like that. It's very, yes. <laughs> very well done. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Um, I think Bruce Cap- Bryce Brooks Kapka uh, playing well uh, has a good chance. I like DJ coming off a win. Um, you know, there's so many players I think that, that have a good chance. Um, call your shot. I, ca- I call JT. Who do you guys call? Man, cool. I, I haven't seen much of the course. I haven't seen how it's set up. Um, I, I think it's got to be a young guy. I think Patrick Reed contends. Uh, mm. I, th- I think he's he's in it um, probably on Sunday morning. Um, but probably the probably the player I'd look to to have a chance would be Justin Justin Rose. Um, I'll go with Columbus's own Jason Day. Ooh. Not that big. <laughs> that would be a that'd be a great pick. Um, By the way, we saw his Father's Day commercial that you were were a party to. Yeah, with Dad. Yes. Yeah, yes. that was awesome. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. So, all right. So maybe we'll we'll, we'll put that on the burner to maybe do a uh, a post round one or post round two. Uh, you know, all quick, golf, quickie. quick hitter, all golf yeah. quickie. Sure. Uh, so look, look for the bonus episode, guys. Great episode. So much to talk about with this busy week. Uh, we covered the NBA, we covered NHL, French Open, Belmont Stakes, and the, and the Triple Crown, Major League Baseball, NCAA, Softball. We talked about World Cup. We talked about the U.S. Open. We talked about the Tonys a little bit. Um, <laughs> and let me, let me, let me, one last thing before you do your, your wrap-up. Oh, yeah, give us the book, the, the, oh, the book my preview. I just ordered it. It's on my Kindle now. Upon further review, and the guy's name is Mark Pesca, I think, who, who wrote it. He has a podcast called The Gist, and it is – imagine – Moments in sports history, if they didn't happen the way they did. So um, what if in 1899, football, which really was a blood sport at the time, I mean, people were getting killed playing football in 1899 when it was first started. What if it never took off and there never was professional football? Something happened and it didn't, it didn't occur. What if, um, i trying to think of some of the other things, they, they just took little moments in time and said, okay, that didn't happen. Oh, Dwight uh, Clark doesn't make the catch. Um, right. Buckner uh, Bust, feels Bust, the ball. Buster Douglas does not knock mm. out Mike Tyson. 
what does that change and what happens going forward? So they have their essays written by sports writers and, and maybe anthropologists and sociologists about their take on what the world of sports would look like if these moments never happened. I think wow. that's brilliant. A brilliant. Yeah. Idea. It's kind of neat, a neat take. Now, no. I know you haven't read it yet. Do no. they talk about what if Roger Bannister would not have broke the four mile moment? I don't, I don't know that yet. So because uh, that's an interesting one because once he did, how many people immediately did after he did it, right? Right, knowing they um, could do it, right? Yeah, because um, you know it was imp- it was impossible until he did it, and then I think thirteen people in the next like two and a half years broke it. Well, there was a very interesting. I, I'm really bad with the names on this, but um, there were a lot of uh, Negro League basketball leagues that were run, you know, um, playing these like uh, barnstorming tours, right? Like when the Harlem Globetrotters really played, right? They were the Harlem Globetrotters. He said though there was a team called the Harlem Wrens that was way better than the Harlem Globetrotters. And the Globetrotters came out of Chicago. So, but this team, the Harlem Wrens, was playing against George Mikan back in the 50s. And they had the game. You know, right? You know what I'm talking about? Minneapolis Laker, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they they had the game won. It was, there was an errant pass. And they ended up losing to the Lakers. And it's what would have changed. What would have changed if he made that shot? They said it would have integrated the NBA years ahead of. Wow. What, what what they had to wait for. So it was just very, that kind of stuff is going to be fun to read and see, you know, what, 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 it's just someone's opinion, someone's take, but it'll sure. be super interesting. So if Vegas would have won the Stanley cup. Oh, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well guys, fun week. Let's, uh, let's see what's coming up this week. Uh, Shay, what do you got on your schedule this week, man? What's happening now? Uh, PDX. Um, so I've got a special guest coming into town, Bill, uh, or excuse me, Sean. When I met Sean, I was at a brewery, and I had my friend from Atlanta with me, and uh, she's actually going to come visit me. This Cheyenne. I'm going to spend some time with Shana. Yeah. China, that's China. right. That's China. awesome. Awesome. Good. Well, give her a shout-out from the, the boys on the stair down. Todd, what about you, man? What's happening in your neck of the woods? Uh, so it's just work as usual this week. Uh, I'm going to really uh, focus. Uh, I try to focus every day and, and, and try to close jobs. Um, although we may have a, a bonus episode, I really hope we do. I'm in if, if you do. Um, just got to remember before we're going to see each other on Sunday, it's father's day coming up. Um, I'm a, the older I get, the more of a family guy I am. And, uh, I mean, Sean, I know, I know your dad uh, left us way too soon. Um, but you have brothers and, and, uh, all your friends are, most of them are fathers. So, uh, just, it's going to be a good day on Sunday and, and, and celebrate all the, all the good fathers out there and, uh, you know, enjoy family time for sure. Right on. I'll get to have a, one of my favorite beers of the year. Uh, I go you drink, drink a beer every, every year in the cemetery. I sit and drink a beer with my dad. So it's always a cool tradition. So That's awesome. very cool. Yeah. Bill, what about you, man? Tell, t- t- great, great episode last week with the two boys out of Phoenix. Uh, a lot of fun. Really one of my favorite episodes you've, you've ever had uh, with, with uh, Phil and um, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Um, just Fun, but but great, great content. How are you going to follow that one up this week on the on the real estate sessions? Well, I, I see local in Florida. I'm going to interview uh, Rich Shelley, who uh, is starting a team with a Keller Williams operation here called Keller Williams South Shore. So they're over on the Tampa side, down around Ruskin, and he actually works in Sun City Center, which is exactly what it sounds like—a kind of an active adult retirement community. He's been in the business three and a half years. He's on track to sell 140 houses this year. Ooh, in wow, two and a half years player he's he is he's he's put a little team together he's very smart but he's a good old boy from tennessee grew up in uh, parts of georgia as well and it's almost impossible to be a good old boy and he he we talk about the fact for 20 years he was a, a long-haul truck driver a truck wow. driver 
And then his, he relocates to uh, Ruskin, Florida, which is a little town over there south of Brandon and Valrico, to um, be part owner and manage a, a pretty big self-storage operation with his wife. They do that for 10 years. They're completely engaged in the community. Um, they look for an opportunity to sell. They get it. And he decides he wants to try his hand at real estate. And literally three and a half years later, he's killing it. And so, it, you know, it's all from relationships, Sean. <laughs> he even talked today at his uh, session I was at, talked about how, how well he solves problems. He just didn't use the have fun part. So <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But he's really, it's an interesting guy. He's, you know, he's got that Southern drawl, that little twang going on. And uh, he just, he just gets people. And I think that's a big part of, um, you know, being a good realtor. Love it. Well, yeah. I look forward to listening. I should download tonight. Always uh, hits my, hits my overcast on Tuesday morning. Nice. Uh, guys, for me, it's a, it's a week of, of really uh, digging in. I, I worked hard on my uh, database today. I, have a uh, a call with actually Zv Band uh, Bill tomorrow. Uh, Zv's writing a book, and so he's interviewing some people around the country on building relationships and, and what it means. So I'm going nice. to be spotlighting his book. Um, show some houses to a, a, a Florida grad who's moving into town. Referred to me by another Florida grad who I helped buy a house with. So get to work uh, with Gator hopefully after a, a big World College World Series clinching win. Sorry, Shay. Um, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. By the way, definite, that's a definition. <laughs> Uh, my son, Ryan gets uh, his first start, uh, in the golf tournaments of the summer. He has a, a two round tournament this week. So we'll be rooting for him this week. And then actually this weekend, Bill, it's going to be a fun, fun weekend for me, a uh, parent child tournament heading into father's day weekend. Uh, going to play with, with Ryan and Riley going to, Riley's wow. going to come out. Riley's going to come out of retirement, play her first round of golf since the state championships in 2016. Nice. Uh, she, I've had her up at the range. She's been hitting some balls. Uh, it's a scramble. It'll be a, be a fun time uh, with the kids. Uh, Can we get Rhonda out there and join you? Can yeah, come on. Out? Maybe we'll get her out to drive the cart and, and, and <laughs> walk along with us. So yeah, so, why not? Should, should be a good time, but, uh, but super excited and uh, uh, just looking forward to the U S open uh, and, and everything that comes with it. So including father's day. So Todd, great little preview there. Uh, shout out to Lee and, and uh, Shay's dad and Bill's dad, if they're, if they're both still alive, and uh, if they're not, tip of the cap to them. Um, so on behalf of Bill and Shay and Todd, I'm Sean Carpenter in Columbus, Ohio. Thanks, guys, for listening to The Stare Down.